Welcome back, guys. This is Mando Talk. We are fresh after watching that first episode of The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. And I got to say, just starting off the bat, it was pretty epic. I enjoyed it very much, but we're going to dig into this a little bit more. Uh, welcome back. I'm glad that you have chosen to listen to the podcast again. Uh, before we get started, I would like to introduce my brother in the force. His name is Nolan Ferris. Hey, how's it going, guys? All right. So like I said on that last podcast, whenever I have guests come on, I'm always going to ask them two questions. Number one, what their favorite movie, Star Wars movie is. And number two, who their favorite character is. So, Nolan, number one, what is your favorite Star Wars movie? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with episode three, uh, Revenge of the Sith. And favorite character, I'm going to go with Anakin before the dark side. So episode three, Anakin, that's, that's a good choice. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's a little bit about Nolan. We'll go ahead and get into this because there was a lot to tackle, a lot to tackle just from this first episode. And we know those of you that have watched it, there's something pretty big there at the end, but we're going to go ahead and take this step by step. We're going to go from the beginning of the episode onward. So with that episode for the Mandalorian, we started on a pretty snowy planet where we see the Mandalorian going into a small pub or kind of a cantina in the traditional Star Wars sense. And there we meet the bounty that the Mandalorian is currently seeking. And that's the blue dude. I don't even know the dude's name. I think it's called a Mithral. Uh, and that's where all that goes down. Noel, you want to share your thoughts on just that scene in general? Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool scene. Um, I liked the, the bar type scene. And I definitely liked uh, the Mandalorian taking out the thugs in the way he did. I thought that was pretty cool. Especially when he uh, when they cut the dude in half in the door, that was that was pretty awesome. Yeah, and was the tight. Spot, like this, almost the spider web rope that he shot from his wrist was awesome too. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think the probably the most epic part. I think the biggest takeaway that I got from all of that was just how serious the Mandalorian was. Whenever that guy got ticked off that his drink had spilled, and then he made a big deal about cutting that Biscar steel is what we figure out is called. Uh, the Mandalorian Biscar still, which is actually pretty important throughout this episode as we continue to break it down. So that was pretty cool to see. Like you said, that part wherever they sliced, uh, he sliced one of that dude in half in front of that door. That was pretty epic. So I thought it was cool about the Beskar still, and it and it kind of gives you a uh, an insight to the type of armor that the Mandalorians use. Uh, later on in the episode, you'll learn that. Uh, you know, the best car steel is, is melted down and which is creates their armor. So I thought that was pretty cool and it kind of introduced it in a, in a neat way. Yeah. So toward the end of that whole scene, we get to the point where there he's finally leaving that, um, that bar scene, that cantina with the bounty that he wanted to come and get, which turned out to be the, uh, men, men thrall that we find out is the blue dude uh he comes to get him he kind of seems like a silly dude later we kind of figure out that he's a little bit tricky so i can believe that someone out there would be wanting him for some money but there's something that's important in there that i think is kind of like a repeating topic or idea throughout the episode and he chooses so there's a pod that comes up in the up in the shot that tries to take those two back to his ship which is called the razor crest uh, he chooses to not ride the pod that is controlled by the R2 unit. And also later throughout the episode, there's some hints throughout it about talking about how he's not trustworthy of any type of droid that uh, he comes in contact. So any thought, 
any thought on that? Yeah, you definitely feel his disdain for the drones. And I don't know uh, if that's because maybe it has something to do with the Clone Wars. I, I know it was a Mandalore, the home of the Mandalorians was taken over during the Clone Wars. And so I don't know if it has something to do with uh, his hatred towards the drones that way or somehow it's tied in in that sense. But I did like uh, in the cantina how he tried to get the uh, Mithral to come with him alive. How he said, you know, I can take you in warm or I can take you in cold. Oh, like, yeah. That was awesome. I think that was probably one of the best lines of the entire uh, entire show so far. However, there's multiple ones in there where I told you we were watching that show and I said like immediately that it kind of reminded me of some Walter White lines. Uh, yeah, that was definitely. That was pretty cool. Definitely. So to finally like finish up that part of the episode, the Minthral is then he – it's really kind of like a joke there for a minute. He's talking about how he really needs to go take a leak. And uh, the Mandalorian lets him go and try to take that leak. But you can tell that the Mandalorian's pretty sus suspicious about that whole uh, idea of him doing that. And the Minthral gets down there and he's just looking around. And it turns out that he finds these people frozen in carbonite, which hints at his ultimate fate. Where it was pretty cool where the Mandalorian just randomly pops into the shot. And guess what happens to him? He gets frozen in carbonite next, so that was pretty cool to see. So that finished the uh, part one of that episode. That's really kind of what I viewed as the first part. Overall, it was a good little kickoff. Um, I will say probably it, it was a little bit slower compared to the rest of the episode, but that's natural because you got to first introduce the character of the Mandalorian. But at that point, after that happens and he's frozen in carbonite, you at that point know this dude does not mess around, so that was pretty cool to see. Next up... Like I said, he gets on that razor crest and he heads out of the plant. Now, one thing I will say negative about the, the show so far, we have no clue what these planets were that they've been to so far. I would have liked to have at least known where they were, but I guess, you know, TV show, this is different with Star Wars. It's a TV show, so it's just going to build up on itself. So I'm right. sure eventually uh, we'll figure those things out. So he leaves that snowy planet and he goes to Carl Weathers' character, who is Grief Karga. Hopefully that's correct where he eventually they talk, you know, it seems like those two have had some uh, associations with each other in the past and sets up a secretive uh, bounty, a meeting with someone where we find out that this someone's pretty important. You want to talk about that scene where uh, the Mandalorian shows up to that secretive location? Uh, yeah, so he, he comes in and uh, first he walks up to the door and it's a locked door. So there's this uh, eyeball that sort of pops out and, and he shows him this chip that he's gotten from the, uh, the grief cargo uh, for this special mission that he's about to go on. So that grants him access into the room. And so he walks in and that's when you first see the stormtroopers. So you see stormtroopers and then a man sitting at a desk with a imperial gold medallion on his chest. So this was my favorite part because it sort of ties in with where this is set in Star Wars Star, Star Wars world. Um, and I really liked how it, it's sort of tying into the empires breaking down. You know, you see the stormtroopers; they're dirty, they're tattered, and everything. And so I think that's pretty cool. And I also liked how uh, how the uh, the bounty hunter sort of 
glitched out there for a minute when the door opened and he, you know, it come to like a, uh, you know, sort of a standoff there. I really liked that part too. Yeah. To short, sort of show how serious he is about his job. and his Yeah. Protection. So that's actually a good point there where uh, the current state of the galaxy, where all those Imperial stormtroopers are kind of ratted up and beaten up. Uh, this story is actually set five years after episode six, return of the Jedi. So the empire at this point, the galaxy tends to believe that the empire has been defeated. However, in this scene, we find out something pretty important that there are still imperial forces out there lurking around. And I think actually that's going to end up being pretty important for that movie that's coming out here in a month called The Rise of Skywalker, where we know that the emperor is still out there lurking somehow. So that'll be interesting to see. Like we said earlier, this is a TV show, so maybe eventually one day we'll see a tie in there. I think that's probably not going to be in this first season, but that's something important to point out there that the empire is still lurking. And that was pretty cool to see. Like, like you said, now a big part about this, we've already kind of talked about it, but this scene, we get some more detail about that best car steal. Yeah. So, uh, as a down payment for this next mission that he's going on, he doesn't get a lot of information for this next mission. They just give him how old he is and like this uh, little tracking device that uh, that he uses to sort of detect and figure out where his target is. But he gets a down payment of Baskar Steel, which he then uses, you know, takes to the next place he goes. And we'll get to that in a second. But um, it's got an the Baskar Steel has an Imperial mark on it. And I don't know what that signifies yet but hopefully we'll find out in the following episodes yeah i think it's kind of like you know we were kind of speculating off air here we were thinking that because they referenced the great purge of mandalore throughout this episode a little bit too i think it might have something to do with the empire maybe you know sieging mandalore and taking all their best car still because that character well we're not told his uh character's name but i know the actor name He's uh, Warner Herzog. He's pretty famous in the industry. But we we see him talk about how that Beskar steel is very valuable to Mandalorian people. So I think that that definitely ties into uh, that great surge that we're talked about throughout the episode to where I think the Empire po possibly took that away from the Mandalorian culture and they use that as currency for them because they can see that it's a very valuable uh, material. So I think that's definitely something to do with it. So that's an interesting thought as well. Now, there is one thing that I want to talk about this before we move away from this scene, which like Nolan said, this is a pretty, pretty epic scene. I really enjoyed this scene a lot. The big thing I wanted to talk about here, you mentioned the doctor coming in. I can't remember that doctor's name exactly, uh, but he comes in and he says that he wants whoever the Mandalorian is going after to be brought back alive. But then the Warner Herzog's character says, you know, I don't really care because I understand how that how bounty hunting's profession goes. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I just I think it's I think that's going to be very important in the upcoming episodes as far as why he wants his target to be brought back alive. Um, may, and the fact that he's a doctor and he wants him to be back alive, which I don't know if they're wanting to bring him back to do experiments or or what have you research yeah a research on on this specific person um but i think that's going to be uh something we're going to be coming back to quite a bit 
absolutely yeah following episode i agree for sure so now this takes us to the point where this may have been my favorite part of the episode because we get kind of really sweaty here with the star wars nerdiness going on in this scene so the mandalore leaves uh that secretive meeting with the mission in mind however that beskar steel that was given to him as a down payment he goes into this secret area again kind of a secretive space where it turns out there are a bunch of Mandalorian dudes just sitting there hanging out, looking like they're just waiting to do something big, which again, since this is a TV show, I'm speculating heavily that we're going to see a bunch of Mandalorians end up coming out from the underground world. So like I said, this is where this episode kind of turns into the Star Wars nerdy sweaty part. And uh, we see that that Beskar steel that he gets as a down payment is then forged into some shoulder armor where, like I said earlier, where we were speculating off air at first, I'm hoping personally that maybe that's going to be something running throughout the show that he is periodically, period. Yeah. Periodically building his own armor. I think that would be pretty epic to see. And it would also, you know, how Lucasfilm likes to make money. It would also be able to put out all those extra toys. You know, here's the Mandalorian toy right now. Well, guess what? Uh, Next year we're going to release a new Mandalorian toy. That's got all those, fancy uh shiny armor pieces attached to it so that was pretty cool to see yeah i definitely i've definitely liked this the the scene that we're talking about because there's a lot of there's a lot of detail in it and the person we don't know the person that he gives the mandalorian steel to yeah definitely almost like that he's returning it and as a reward she's giving him and forging him a shoulder piece yeah it's almost like it has to be approved kind of you gotta you gotta earn this almost yeah it's it's almost like it's a reward and then another thing another little uh, easter egg in there is she says that the leftover steel will be used for foundlings and i'm hoping that this is younger mandalorians how it gets them started in their armor and and raising them up through the Mandalorian ways. I think that's going to be pretty cool to see. Yeah, so when she mentions that thing about the foundlings, that's when um, the Mandalorian actually gets a little bit vulnerable there for a second in his mind because we start seeing these flashes. It was a pretty cool shot where it almost looked like they were flashing in and out of his, uh, you know, that T-visor almost where it was going in and out of his head, and it was showing yeah. uh, the things that he was thinking about in his childhood. Now, an important thing that I want to talk about uh, with that, those flashes that he was having is you can see it more clear in the trailer that they released a few weeks back, but I'm sure if I've rewatched the episode and slowed it down, you would see those droids that were used in the clone Wars. So that almost gives me confirmation that this is definitely clone wars era. Whenever, you know, the Mandalorian is taken away from his family or they're at least separated, not necessarily taken away, but it looks like he actually was placed in a bunker to where their his family as just kind of dropped yep as protection. So that was interesting to see. And I wonder if maybe there's gonna be a family reunion at some point in this TV show. Also, I think that's why he has such disdain for robots and drones of, of yep. such sorts, because his childhood did not look like the greatest. And um, maybe it's because of robots or clone wars and droids and stuff like that. Yeah. So this also goes back to that whole idea of 
we said that that great purge was kind of a thing that lurked throughout this episode. I think that scene might have possibly been the start of that great purge that we talked about to where the Empire came into Mandalore and started taking some of those uh, credits or taking that steel and forged it or created it as uh, credits for the Empire. So again, like I said, since this is a TV show, I think we're going to get a lot more details with that. I think if one thing I can say about this episode, it has left a lot of things that it could dig into and explore for a long, long time. So it, it's definitely getting my excited level going. So that kind of wraps up that scene. Anything else you want to see say about that particular part of the episode? No, I just think that we're going to be coming back to this section a lot. And, um, in the next few episodes, because I think it had a lot of, uh, I think just hints at, at the following episodes. Yeah, definitely. The next part is where he goes to the, like I said, we don't know any planet names, but he goes to the location of where his target is. Yeah. Kind of looks like Tatooine, almost Jakku, like, you know, the traditional star Wars desert planets almost. Yeah. And up until this point, the show has been very, very serious and, and very, you know, just... Absolutely, I agree. 100%. It sets the tone for the Mandalorian. Yep. And then, you know, he gets off of his ship and he gets attacked by the, the Blurgs. And uh, we meet... Uh, what's his name? Well, we're not really given his uh, character name, but that species that the actor's name is Nick Nolte, the species that he is playing is an Ugnaught. These Ugnots were seen kind of here and there in the original trilogy. So it's nice to see that original trilogy species coming back. So like I said, we're not really shown uh, what his name is. Uh, but hopefully, hopefully he's a character that sticks around because he was pretty funny and a cool guy to get to see a little bit on the screen. Yeah, he was definitely a sort of a relief to the seriousness. And uh, he gave some comedic, comedic uh, sense to the to the feel. But he talks about uh, that uh, the Mandalorian is going to have to learn how to ride a Blurg because he doesn't know how to. And then, uh, you know, of course, the Mandalorian's like, well, I don't know how. And uh, uh, the Ungut or whatever. Ungut. He, uh, <laughs> he said, uh, well, your ancestors rode the Mythosaur. And that got us curious, you know, off the screen about what is a Mythosaur. So we looked it up. And the Mythosaur is on the planet of Mandalore. They used to roam that planet. When the Mandalorians came there, they wanted the planet all to themselves. So they pretty much hunted and killed all of the Mythosaurs. But the Mandalorian logo with the skull and tusks, that is the Mythosaur. Our podcast logo. <laughs> yeah, our podcast logo. <laughs> so that is the Mythosaur. If you were wondering what that is. That's what we figured out as far as it was just a little research. Yeah, so uh, my brother Jacob was here watching uh, that episode with us. Uh, unfortunately, he had to bounce uh, before we started recording this. But, um, you know, we looked up that picture of what a mythosaur looked like in the flesh. Because, you know, I've always seen what it looked like in the skull. Because that skull logo, like I said, that's our Mando Talk logo. That's kind of seen everywhere as far as Mandalorian goes. However, I've never seen it in the flesh. And immediately I looked at Jacob because... You know, me and him have watched Game of Thrones and we looked at each other and I and we I could just tell we were both thinking the same thing. 
is it a possibility that we're going to get a dragon type creature? Because that's what it looks like in, in all reality. When we looked at that, we thought, oh, dragons in Star Wars. Is it a possibility, do you think, that we're going to actually see one of these huge creatures in this show eventually? I don't know. I mean, I think the mythosaur, it might be extinct. I think there's always a possibility with, you know, um, Disney to bring something like that back. But I think it's cool to know the background of the logo. And um, I don't know. The mythosaur, it would be awesome to see it again. But I just, I don't know because... I'm just not sure about that one. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Understandable. Now, before we leave this, there is something that you said that I really want to draw out. You said that at this point in the episode, it kind of takes a shift in the tone of things where that first part of the episode is very serious. And, you know, the marketing throughout this show that Disney has been doing and that Lucasfilm has been doing is that the Mandalorian is not a character that you want to mess with. However, I want to get back to something you just said about how at this point in this episode, it completely shifts the way we're viewing the Mandalorian and it becomes, you know, we get some comedic parts and we actually get to start to see how this Mandalorian's personality actually is. So we start to see kind of that layer get peeled back to where he's no longer that, oh, just gun toting, don't mess with me character. And we really get to almost see how he is as a person. So that's a really good point that you brought up that I'm glad you brought up because I hadn't even thought about it. Yeah, I mean, you definitely see the humility that he gets from, you know, getting tackled by the blurg and then having to learn, you know, because at this point you think, well, this guy knows everything. He He's pretty bad to the bone. But then you get, uh, you, you see him get a little bit of humility when he, uh, when he gets tackled and finally gets, you know, a little bit beaten almost and has to learn how to ride and, to get to his next location. That's, that's the reason he has to learn how to ride a blurry is to, because you can't get there without it. So yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. So there we go. There's a perfect transition for that next part of the episode where he has to get to his next destination by riding that blurg that he trains to ride uh, there with the Nick Nolte's Ugnot. And that takes us to the last part, I guess the climax of this first episode for the Mandalorian where we finally meet IG 11, which is a character that they have been marketing quite a bit. And again, we reference back to how the Mandalorian doesn't seem to trust droids. The first thing he says, as soon as he puts his scope on that droid and he sees that he's down there is uh, something, some kind of remark about how, of course it's a droid who can like basically yeah. who trusts a droid basically. So again, that's kind of like, something that comes back in this in this episode that I think we're going to actually get some more detail on at some point before this season ends. Yeah, possibly in some flashbacks. I think those definitely will, uh, you know, when we see how this Mandalorian has, has grown up and what he's went through and his uh, tribulations that he's went through as a child and just where he's come from, I think that's definitely going to shed some light on his uh, disdain from droids. Um, but then what happens next is that he actually – so this droid confronts the people and pretty much does does work with most of them. I mean, he, oh, he takes them out. He went off. That was awesome. Until they ran into cover. And so then the Mandalorian goes down, and that's when the first uh, interaction between them goes. And yeah, so and I'll they say, agree to split the bounty. Right yeah, there. yeah, and I'll say for as far as those two go, I felt like it was really almost kind of like a, like a Luke R2 moment there where 
there's some good companionship and good human droid interaction there when they're working together that I thought they would possibly build on. But I think once we get toward the end of this discussion, we'll see why that doesn't happen. (laughs) But uh, I was thinking that, you know, even in Rogue One kind of where if you remember Cassian and K2SO, kind of that sarcastic droid, it really reminded me of that relationship quite a bit. But um, I think that got uh, knocked off the head pretty quick. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, So then they take and they move to cover and then everybody comes out again and there's a big fight and everything. And when they finally get inside, um, yeah, but before we get inside though, that epic shot of them using that big cannon to just blast through the rest of oh, them. Yeah. That was, that was pretty yeah. tight. That was awesome. And the music <laughs> they were playing just added to it. I, th- yeah. I think that was really awesome. Yep. Um, and another thing before we go inside, it was the, uh, IG 11, another comedic, aspect to him wanting to self-destruct all the time i thought that was hilarious yeah that was that was pretty good so uh so we finally get to the point where they've cleared out all the people that have been protecting whoever or whatever they're going after and they finally bust open the door like with that big cannon again they use that quite a bit and it leads to the biggest twist that i've seen in a tv show Besides Game of Thrones, honestly. So it's already it's already doing some Game of Thrones things here where it's getting you speculating quite a bit to go from the first episode just to the second episode. And we find out that he goes in there. They both go in there and they open up this little pod where it looks like it's keeping something in there alive or it's keeping it healthy or it's taking care of it. And probably one of the top things trending on Twitter right now, hashtag it's a baby Yoda. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how this ties into the Yoda, but I think it's pretty awesome that we get to see another tie-in to the uh, the previous trilogies, and they couldn't have picked a better character, I don't think. I mean, everybody loves Yoda. Yeah, definitely. So we were actually this this when we first watched this off air. I think we sat there for a good ten minutes just talking about like the possibilities of what this could mean. I mean. I would say it's like a 5% chance that this baby Yoda is actually in relation to Yoda. So I'm not giving it the slightest chance. However, I mean, it is like it is new territory for Lucasfilm for them to do something new on this TV show to shock the world. So, I mean, as far as that goes, I won't, I won't, I'll leave that door open, but I'll probably give it about a 5% chance of that baby Yoda actually being somehow related to Yoda. Well, I mean, I don't know because when um, the when the Mandalorian goes underground and he's with the stormtroopers and the guy that's with the uh, with the Empire, yeah. they the, when they give him his age, he is fifty years old. True, that's this another baby good point. is fifty yep. years old, and so you know uh, the Yoda that species. I know they age a lot. Yep, he was. They uh, were. They, oh, age, that, they get what's very, the very old. Uh, 900 years old, look this good, will you? That's what he says to Luke yeah. in the original yeah. trilogy. <laughs> so, I mean, I know they age at a much slower rate, but, I mean, so 50 years prior to where this, the Mandalorian is set, where would that put us as far as in the trilogies? What time period would that put us in, in between episodes? So, yeah, I think uh, episode three, Anakin is probably somewhere in the 20s, and I know that Luke is 18, by the time episode four happens. So right there, that's 38 years. Okay. Okay. I got and you. then from 
A New Hope to the end of Return of the Jedi, that's three or four years, I believe. So that puts us at, we'll say, 40, just for giggles. I don't know. I'm estimating here. 40 years. And then we know that this show is five years after Return of the Jedi. So we're looking at 45 to 50 years almost on the dot between episode one to this point. So that means that if this baby Yoda is 50 years old, that he was around during the prequel trilogy. So during Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones and all those shows. So somehow, somewhere. And there we go. We bring up Attack of the Clones again. Yep. As yep. far as where the Mandalorian is and maybe his uh, his past may have start where this baby Yoda may have been born or, yeah. or some something is going to tie in right there. I'm just not sure what it is. Yeah, that's a good point, too, because another thing about this show, just far as like the production of it goes, Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni is the guy that's part of the crew producer to create this show. He was the one that George Lucas brought into Lucasfilm to help him with the Clone Wars, the TV show. So the animated series. So bouncing off kind of what you said, I think that we're going to see a lot of connections between this time frame and the Clone Wars time frame. Because, like I said, Dave Filoni, one of the creators of The Mandalorian, he's working with John Favreau to create this show, is one of the creators and producers for the Clone Wars show. Meaning I think we're going to see a lot of connections between there. So in episode one of this Mandalorian, we already get one of those. Well, okay, I've got a I've got a question for you real quick. Yeah. Um, so at the end of the episode, we see the Mandalorian reaching down into the crib slash whatever, incubator, whatever, right, whatever right. it is, and you see baby Yoda reaching up. So my question is, do you think that the Mandalorian is going to take Baby Yoda and collect his reward of the Baskar steel, which this Empire person says he has loads, loads of, of it, right? Yeah. Do you think he's going to take it back and collect the reward, or do you think he's going to hide Baby Yoda? And that's where this show is going to take us from the Mandalorian sort of at first taking the uh, Empire's requests and then going to help Yoda and help the, you know, the resistance or, or you know. Whatever. Right. So that's a good question. Um, I could honestly see an argument both ways. Um, like like we both kind of talked about how at the end of that episode, we see the Mandalorian's real kind of personality and character kind of get peeled back to where he's no longer that tough and bad to the bone kind of guy. And we're starting to see some personality and some uh, softness almost in him, which yeah. is perfectly fine. Right at the end, you see, um, you see that softness when he's right. Reaching he's reaching down with his finger. Um, so I could see it both ways. I could see him going out on his own because at some point, I mean, it's kind of like you know what the Joker does, like that new movie. What the Joker does, what Venom does. Um, you know those shows that make you sympathize for what you would think would be the or villain, the villains, yeah. to where you. To where at some point they turn into almost like that good guy figure. So I think that at some point that's going to happen at, the, at this show if that's not this moment already. So like you said, two options here. He can either keep that baby Yoda and to where he's now completely rogue. And that means at some point uh, 
Warner Herzog's character is going to be hunting him down uh, along with Imperial forces, which I think that would make the better story. So now that I, I think I've already talked myself into that way, I think he's going to take <laughs> yeah. the baby Yoda uh, with himself. And I think at this point, we're going to get that kind of rogue uh, Mandalorian on his own to where he's doing everything completely on his own. Uh, and I think him going back and collecting all that armor already would almost be kind of too easy at this point. Like it'd be too yeah, quick. It'd be too easy, but maybe for him that, well, that's the draw is this Imperial guy or whatever. He's got all this Baskar steel, which is used to make the Mandalorian armor. And it would help out his people, the Mandalorian people. Cause he would take this, this steel back and it would help, you know, the foundlings and, and it would just give back to, whatever cause that they have. I don't know if that's going to happen. I'm leaning more towards what you're leaning to Yeah, is, you know, hide the baby Yoda because I kind of like baby Yoda. He's right. kind of my favorite now. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Internet's favorite too. Yeah. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. And so I kind of want him to hide baby Yoda and, but I don't know where that story leads from there. I don't know if he's going to, give him to the uh, the new resistance or I guess what are they called now? now well, right now, now it's the, it's the new republic. New so republic. the resistance oh, yeah. is like an army branch that builds up because the new republic's not doing anything new against the first order. So that's not really in this portion of the galaxy right now. Right now it's just the new republic. So that's what's going on. Um so yeah, like you said I think I think I've already kind of convinced myself to lean toward that way that in order for us to know the Mandalorian and to get to know that character more, I think it's almost that path to where he's now on his own. He's no longer going to be doing just the basic bounty hunting stuff or else I think it would just kind of be the same story the next episode, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think it's got to take a turn. I mean, I don't know if it's now or later, but this is definitely something that is... Uh, is going to be interesting to see how it unfolds in the next episode. And it's kind of good that they moved it up to this Friday, the next episode, because I yep. don't think I can wait till next Tuesday to, to watch it. No. Yeah. Pretty neat. Yep. It's coming quick. So that means that's, uh, that's about all that we got for this episode. As far as the Mandalorian goes. Now, I don't know if we actually ended up talking about the finality of IG 11. He ended up getting blown up, right? Yeah. He got yeah. scorched. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Back to IG 11. <laughs> so yeah, that's why it's not going to be an R2 Luke scenario. Right. Yeah. Because uh, he got well, toast. IG 11, his, and this is another thing that there's got to be some clarification on, or I think we're going to see in the next episode. Yeah. Is IG 11's orders that he says. He yes. Was okay. To I'm do glad we're talking about this. Were back to, I mean, he was wanting to kill the target, which was Baby Yoda. That was the so only option he was given. That was the only option he was given. Whereas the Mandalorian, he had the option of, you know, I know the Imperial guy, he said, I know that bounty hunting is tough. And if you have to kill him, then kill him. But the doctor wanted to keep him alive. Yep. So, But the only option that IG-11 was given was to eliminate the target. And so when it came down to it, IG-11 was about to, of course, shoot Baby Yoda. Yep. And the Mandalorian shot IG-11, which I think there again shows that the heart that we're going to see in this right. character in future episodes and the, the uh, 
sort of the taking off the armor kind of moment. Absolutely. I completely agree. So we're going to leave off there as far as this episode goes. That completes the Mandalorian episode one of season one uh, talk, discussion, review. Uh, Overall, I would say I enjoyed it a lot, quite a bit. Now, I will say there's a couple things that I want to say before we head out. There is some corrections that I need to make as far as giving some instruction about how this podcast is going to work. So I've looked into further research as far as when the Mandalorian will be dropping. I misled you during the kind of introduction podcast I put out last night. They are going to release all of the episodes on a Friday night. The only reason why they released this one tonight was because, well, Disney Plus uh, released tonight. So with that said, that means episode two of The Mandalorian will be releasing this Friday which means you can guarantee to get a Mando Talk episode released on Spotify at this point. Haven't been put on Apple Podcasts yet, but at Spotify, you will get a Mando Talk episode on Friday night, so you will have that to listen to throughout the weekend. Um, So look forward to that. That's a mistake I made on the previous podcast. Um, Like I said, Mandalorian every Friday night, so that means you're going to get Mando Talk every Friday night. Um, So... Before we head out of here, uh, I'll go ahead and tell you what you need to do. If you're listening, you need to go to Instagram or Twitter and follow us at Mando Talk. That is at Mando Talk on both platforms. Anything, Nolan, you want to say before we head out of here? I think the last thing that I want to say is um, I have spoken.